Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Outside Podcast. I'm here with uh, I'm uh, Aaron Baumgartner and Slade Johnson, and I'm Wayne Ebersole, your host. And uh, we're going to be having some guests on these um, ish, um, episodes today. So we're looking forward to all that. Aaron, Slade, anybody have anything to say before we bring our first guests on board? Excited to hear uh, hear where the conversation goes today. Yeah, what have you been? What have you been doing, Slate? It's been another busy week on real estate. We've, uh, yeah, we've got put up three new listings yesterday, and got a few more under contract. So we're uh, we're seeing the market here in Alabama at least in the last last two months have been been really picking up. Uh, so I think that's super promising. Yeah, and I was uh, I was in Alabama what last week, I think. Yeah, right. Two yeah, weeks ago, we're, running together. Yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> you guys were hanging out uh, together yeah. down there somewhere. So we were. I was there for a couple of days with Slade, and we uh, were up in Jasper, Alabama, and down in Thomasville, Alabama, and uh, pursuing some tokenized land opportunities that are in the early development stages down there. So, uh, so yeah. So cool. then this past week, I was. Uh, Past week, I was in Southwest Virginia, Western North Carolina, Johnson City, Tennessee. I was down in Wilmington, North Carolina, to begin with. I've been went to West Virginia and East Tennessee, Western North Car- Southwest Virginia, East Tennessee, Western North Carolina. Then ended back up down at the coast, and so uh, I'm back in Richmond, Virginia now for the time being until I leave on the 19th for Dubai. Oh wow! So yeah, so. Uh, Anyway, what about you, Wayne? I, I think yeah. outside needs some helicopters. Honestly, you know, we can just <laughs> fly us all around where everybody needs to go. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all we're all trying to be like your buddy John over there in East Alabama. <laughs> That's the goal. No, I've been, I've been working at stuff. I've been started some marketing stuff. Um, I head to Florida next week, and then um, the week after that, I head to Dubai as well. So, be there for a good long while. Found out that. The pastor, one of the associate pastors from our church, his son lives in Dubai, and they're coming over the same time we're over there. So, <laughs> oh wow, that's pretty interesting. Very, so. very good, good. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's let's meet our guests we have today. Sure. Do you want to introduce him, Aaron, before I bring him on? Uh, yeah, let, let's let's bring him in, and, and then we'll we'll do that. Okay, here goes. He's in. There Hello, he is, Michael. Hello. So, Michael Thomas has a really interesting background with some uh, pretty interesting stuff that um, segues incredibly well into um, some of the the technologies that outside is building and the tokenized assets, real world assets uh, regime. And and, um, uh, Michael, ironically, is a landowner in Caldwell County, North Carolina, the county I actually grew up in. Uh, we met down in Durham last March, I think it was, and he's also uh, an investor in Outside Inc. And so we thought it would be really cool to have Michael join us today, and we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll take an organic approach to how things flow. But uh, wanted to let him share some of what he's been working on, past, present, and future, and talk a little bit about that. I've had a chance to talk with Michael quite a bit about it, and it's uh quite fascinating i see a tremendous opportunity to segue what his background is and his experience and what he's building and doing into outside in the future so michael go ahead and um, 
Okay. Share with us. Go ahead and start sharing with us. Okay. Well, I'm a software person for, for a long time. I wrote one of the first books on the Java programming language back in the day, that Oracle, IBM, and SAS, transitioning into being a founder with this venture called Stillhouse Compute. Uh, Stillhouse Compute is about creating digital value uh, at green energy properties. Uh, and I'll get into what all that means, but kind of where I'm at right now, uh, not a typical startup. I'm not in a big hurry. I'm not currently seeking funding. I'm looking for partners. I'm looking for ecosystems to fit into and looking for knowledge, still working on building out a business plan and stuff like that. Uh, and this gives me an advantage in that I'm really thinking about where things will be a few years out and not so much where things are right now today. Uh, been a developer and architect, some sales and marketing. I have a consulting practice that I have as well. Uh, and more recently, um, I've been working with uh, digital twins. And a digital twin is very much what it sounds like. You have something physical and then you have a digital twin of it. Uh, and also virtual reality and augmented reality, which sometimes goes underneath the umbrella called extended reality, XR. And I've done some experiential marketing work with that. You may have been at a trade show and you've seen a VR headset and people lining up to try something out. That's a case of experiential marketing. And you might not think that experiential marketing would have a lot to do with green energy, but I'm going to come back to that uh, after I... Uh, lay out what I'm doing a little bit more. So before Stillhouse Compute, around the uh, end of 2020, I started looking for some land to create a multi-generational family retreat that was resilient to climate change and also relatively close to where I am in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I looked at properties that were close to where I'm from, which is uh, Wilkesboro, North Carolina. That's Wilkes County, next county over from Caldwell County. Uh, so I'm, I'm within a, within an hour from where I grew up uh, with this property that I have. So some of the things I was looking for there in the Highlands, spring water, southern facing exposure, micro hydro, uh, a form of generating hydroelectricity that does not require a dam and won't get you in trouble with the uh, Corps of Engineers when you start doing such things. Uh, and also I wanted uh, energy independence as a feature of the built property. And these days, that's not just the, your household needs, uh, that's also transportation. So you can have your household fully functioning. Uh, and then you put two F-150 Lightnings in the driveway and your electric chainsaw and your electric range and your heat pump and all this. And it starts to be a fair amount of electricity to try to put that together. Now, as I started working through that, um, I realized that being a, a, a family retreat, uh, we weren't going to be there using that electricity all the time. And I really didn't like that I wasn't going to be doing anything with that extra electricity uh, when we're not there. And I looked into that and say, North Carolina, you cannot get cash for your spare electricity, your, your extra electricity. You get credits, they can help you out in your power bill, but you're not going to get cash. So that troubled me. And that's really what kind of sent me off on the, uh, the Stillhouse compute journey. Uh, for me, for this case where you want to have an energy independent second home, then that's a case of stranded energy. I, starting off, I would be happy if North Carolina just changed it so that you could get cash for your electricity. And that's not very much money, but that would certainly make me happy. This is the kind of thing that happens with stranded energy is that it's, it's stranded and being able to pick it up and use it, the economics change. Like the person that has the stranded energy are going to think about it differently. Another pretty interesting case of stranded energy is uh, landfills and the methane gas emerging from landfills. Uh, could something be done with that? Mm -hmm. So being a computer guy, then I look at it as a case of uh, digital value. 
you know, digital zeros and ones. And the thing about digital value is that you can send it right over the internet. And that's a pretty nice feature. So to kind of illustrate that a little bit more, let's talk about something that's not digital value. So I, you know, I registered with the forestry service. I have my forestry plan and they sent me a brochure there and they're like, hey, you can grow some Christmas trees. So that would be using my land. Definitely not digital value. Now, since I have all this energy, then let's say I uh, do a big greenhouse and I start growing microgreens and I start sending those up to Blowing Rock, right? Not digital value. And while I am creating value, I'm sending it out in a truck. I'm not sending it out over the Internet. I'm not sending it out over 5G, which uh, which my property has a has a pretty good amount of. So more of the digital value that I'm thinking along the lines of uh, machine learning that came comes straight to mind because of my background, my experience with machine learning. Uh, there, you're just doing a whole bunch of compute and you're running these computers pretty hard, and then you get some results and it back over the internet. And the other one, the the one that's most doable today would be crypto mining. Now, being a computer guy, then I look at it and I say that. Uh, crypto mining looks great. You can make money off of it. Uh, but what I say quite a lot is the problem with, with Bitcoin mining is that it's Bitcoin mining. And there's all this kind of attitude about it. Uh, and one example of that that I wanted to bring up was this Buncombe County moratorium on crypto mining that went into place uh, earlier in the year. Buncombe County is several counties over from Caldwell County in North Carolina. It's the, uh, a lot of Asheville's in Buncombe County. And they, because some people put up some uh, Bitcoin operations that used all air-cooled computers in unincorporated areas further west, then that got a lot of attention because people that moved into this valley to, you know, have peace and quiet, all of a sudden they have this buzzing uh, building near them that's running all the time and it's creating this horrible noise because they're using these air-cooled computers. Uh, well, Buncombe County didn't take that into account when they wrote this moratorium. They just said, let's just ban crypto mining. And of course, you can do crypto mining with water cool computers, which are not loud like that. Yeah. And I have water. I have spring water and I have uh, flowing uh, stream water in the creek. And putting those together, I can use those for cooling. And I don't have to actually recirculate that water. So I don't have to run a recirculating pump, which, again, uh, takes down some of the electricity. So regardless, like I said before, I'm a ways away from actually going out and buying computers or buying chips, which is when the real decision and lock-in will occur, you know, after building out a bunch of energy infrastructure, which will just start with rooftop solar and then move on to uh, possibly other types of solar and then micro hydro. So it's a ways before I make that kind of decision. Um, and the first thing is just building out all that energy infrastructure and then figuring out what we can do with that energy when we uh, when we have that energy infrastructure as far as exactly what kind of computing to do. Uh, the great thing about Bitcoin mining is that it's all set up and ready to go. It's the right kind of computing problem with this. You can do big, uh, do this kind of mining over satellite if you don't have a 5G connection or a, or a good landline connection. And it really just solves every problem that I have. Uh, in terms of both the kind of compute it is and how it works, how the pools work and all that. Um, but then I go over and I look how much they're charging for GPUs to go and rent a GPU to go do all this machine learning. And I don't want to get into spreadsheets because the numbers are just crazy. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure that I really want to, you know, be be saying things that might get people's hopes up. But there's a lot of hope that you can have there. Uh, when you look beyond Bitcoin mining um, and it's more lucrative. So 
Now the the solar is where I'll start. I've been to four um, energy conferences here in the in the area in the Triangle area uh, here this year since uh, since talking to Aaron the first time. And I've heard out of all those conferences, all those sessions I've gone to, I've heard Micro Hydro mentioned twice the whole time. Basically, the talk at these conferences is solar. Micro Hydro just isn't really discussed. One of those conferences was the Appalachian State University Conference. And Lovell House in Boone, um, they already have solar going. Uh, Joel, who's doing that, uh, went over and, and saw their facility. It's also a historic house. It's where they chartered. It's where they wrote the letters to found Appalachian State University. So it's a really neat place. He's got solar. He's got a stream there that has a lot of drop, not a lot of water, but a lot of drop. And um, and he's going to do micro hydro as well. But even at the Appalachian State University, which is surrounded by micro hydro possibilities like my property, they weren't really talking much about about micro hydro. Um, and again, the nice thing about micro hydro is if you have a micro hydro property, you probably have spring water and some of these other advantages, too. Uh, micro hydro, at least currently, works out to be a little cheaper than solar and also less inter- less environmentally destructive. So you put up some solar panels, you can chop down some trees. Um, with uh, with micro hydro, uh, you might not chop down any trees, depending on exactly um, what your situation is. You're definitely not clearing out huge amounts of of land to uh, to get your energy because it's all about the the water going through a pipe. Mike, can I interrupt you a second there? What sure. is defined as micro hydro? Like from what um, megawatts or whatever? Like what's the what's the output production of a micro hydro on average? Uh, micro hydro tends to be at that household kind of level. Okay. Uh, in my case, I would be pretty happy with like ten kilowatts. If I got ten kilowatts, then that would be fantastic. Uh, versus when you get into you know utility scale solar, then you start talking in terms of, of megawatts. Okay. And it's um, the the turbines. Um, the one that I'm looking at most closely uh, would be 1.5 kilowatts uh, at given 300 gallons per minute and a 20 to 25 foot drop. Okay. And when looking at micro hydro, that drop is really important. So I looked hard for micro hydro properties and um, and found one that that should work, but it's not. You know, I'm not going to put in like five or ten turbines on this property. It's going to be micro hydro and solar. Mike, I, I didn't know that you and I both had a connection to Joel Olson. Um, okay. So uh, I, I've actually been to the same property yeah. in Boone that you're referencing. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- just to, to paint a little bit of a picture here, uh, because, you know, unless you're someone that's engaged in the space or in tune to it, you, you may you may not know what what does micro hydro exactly mean. Like you know, um, you, you know, I think we all understand. You, you know, like you said, staying away from the core of engineers and building the dam and using that hydro process. You know mm-hmm. what what is a what is micro hydro? Like, can you try to paint a picture of what that looks like? And 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 you know, the, the, you mentioned a twenty five foot drop. Can you try to paint a visual force and for the folks yeah. watching? Sure. So the the simplest way to explain it is uh, imagine you take your garden hose and you hold your thumb over it and, you know, the water shoots out. Well, you're going to have a much bigger hose, more like a six inch pipe. And then it's going to shoot against these specially designed um, turbine blades that look like spoons. And it's going to spin that turbine, you know, as, as fast as it can. And to get there, you just bring the water down through a pipe. So you have an intake pipe that's upstream. 
and then you bring it down and then you, uh, you basically squirt it across those, those blades and it spins and makes electricity. And from there it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the inverters and the, the grid hookup and all the stuff that you get with any kind of renewable. And so then the water's redirected right back into the same channel, the creek it was flowing out of. So it's essentially directed through the pipe across, you know, across the spoons, as you call them, which is, uh, you know, creating energy uh, spanning and then right back into the creek. Yeah. So you're not you're not doing anything with the water. You're not like sediment's not going to be a problem. Um, the turbine that I'm looking at is called the Scott turbine. Um, but there's also another turbine that's fish safe for um, uh, more water, less drop called turbulent. And they've actually designed to be fish safe and that the fish would just kind of go around the, the vertex uh, system that they have in place. 